G'day there, and welcome to episode 7 of Journey on the GAN. I'm Michael Turtle from the travel blog Time Travel Turtle. So we've come to the final episode of the series, but it's not quite time to get off the train yet. You meet a lot of interesting people along the way, and I've already introduced you to some of them, but there's one person who, if we're talking about the GAN, has seen more than anyone else probably. In this episode, you're going to meet him. It's been a busy day in Kuperpedi, and in fact it's been a busy trip over the past few days on the GAN. With all the stops and the tours along the way, the only time to sit back and relax tends to be in the evenings. So it's the final night now, and I've come to the lounge to have a couple of glasses of wine. As I've mentioned before, the drinks are all included in the cost of the trip, and there's a good selection of Australian whites and reds. It's while I'm sitting here that I meet Dougie. His real name is Lawrence Payne, but everyone just calls him Dougie. He works on the GAN, and as it turns out, he's pretty much the most experienced employee. He tells me that he started working on the railways in Australia 50 years ago. Railways have been pretty well in my blood. With this podcast series, I've been trying to take you on the journey with me to show you what it's like to go on the GAN. Well, one of the most important aspects of the journey is the people you meet. Dougie is a great example of that. He can tell a tale, and he's got plenty of them from all the years travelling on the trains around the country. Started over back in the early days because my grandfather was in the railways. He was a like a boiler for the steam engines at Royal Inner. And then my father, he was an engine driver. He started in Quorn in the early days, and then they shifted to Stirling North. And then I joined since I left school at uh, 67 I joined the railways in 68 and that was at Port Augusta just going on start as a youth porter just sweeping the platform and unloading the trains and all that and then if you were, as you get older you go and get um, get more jobs so I went as a shunter then as a guard and then I'll come across here in 97 when they phased the get well when they started to phase the guards out I'd come across here in 97 I've been with GSR now ever since 97 until now. What were the railways like then? I like to imagine them a little wild westy, you know, sort of boxcars with hobos and all sorts of weird stuff. Or am I just being a little bit romantic? Well, I don't think it's romantic. I don't think we used to have a lot to have in America, like people just jump on the train and get freight rides. But no, mainly, like I said, I mainly was doing with um, freight trains when I was shunting and all that, a lot of freight thing but the passenger trains I think in my time there was it was really different uh, the trains weren't as fast as they are now of course and the uh, the, the people that travel on the train were mainly Australians you didn't get many people from overseas traveling and of course we didn't have the connection through from Sydney till 1970 before the trains used to leave from Adelaide to go across to Perth and then from them and the people used to join the train on Adelaide then they have to catch the train from Adelaide to Port Pirie and then they have to change trains and jump on the train Australian from Port Pirie to Kalgoorlie and then from uh, from uh, Adelaide to Pirie again and then they used to join the train there again and again and again used to go what they call the back way now past the Flinders Ranges between up to Maree and then up to Alice Springs and then back again. Back in the early days you used to sit there with windows open people put their head out the window and all that but now of course it's changed a lot there people used to get out and go for a walk stop what they call the stop for a smoko and now of course it's changed so much now it's all just it's just totally different who knows how many kilometers dougie has traveled over the years i reckon you'd lose count pretty quickly 
but even though you're often going along the same routes, there's something intoxicating about Outback Australia that means you never get tired of it. Just the railways, it's always been fascinated by me, the, the, um, the, just to the, go across the country. They even ask me now, what's your best trip? Would you rather go to Perth or would you rather go to Darwin? Well, I always say go across the Nullarbor Plain because that's unique in the world because one day you can go across there and it's barren and it's dry and all of a sudden they might have big rain and all of a sudden it just transfers overnight. It's all wildflowers, it's just like someone's there and turn the sprinkler on it and things are growing. But when you go to Darwin you've got tropical and you can only see so far out the window because it's all lush and green, it doesn't change that much, it's all the same. But that's the main, I think the main thing now is just that the country itself, that, that's unique and that's why I reckon the train travel in Australia is one of the best you could ever, ever take. So the very first GAN that you were on, do you remember it and can you tell me a bit about it? Yeah, it was quite belittling. I've never, I've heard so much about it and I went first to learn, like uh, I was under a, I was a guard then, I wasn't in a dining car. Uh, I was only a young boy then, I was about uh, 22, well I can say young but 22 and I was I was what they call under supervision as a guard, I had a, a, a guard that's been done so many experience for me and uh, I just he just showed me just the concept of people you talk to on the train and you just, they just can't get over it. There's a lot of stories about the GAN, some of the funny stories is like that some of the time the, um, the boss in the railways at Port Augusta years ago he was a real football he was a president of a football club and the only way most we can get young footballers to give them a promise of a job as engine drivers. Of course, we'd learn to be an engine driver. Of course, when they go away for a week at a time, they had to train. So what they were doing is to train, is when the train was going along, they'd jump out because the train was going slow, slow. They'd jump out, run alongside the train for a couple of k's and then jump back on the train again. So they naturally thought that, that there, was, there was training and, and things just like that. It's just, and people would sometimes would stop somewhere and a guard, well, even that fellow I was working, he had a rifle with him at 22. He spotted some rabbits at the, the corner there and he shot two of them. He had rabbits too that night. So it's just everything's everything's just different nowadays. It's just the romantic's still there, the train romantic's still there, but it's not like the old GAN. Like, um, it's just so different. So were they feeding passengers on the GAN rabbits that they caught? Is that what happened at some point? Oh, at some point that happened, yeah, but mainly <laughs> some of the crews some of the crews done that because there's a couple of big washaways there and with the washaways there it's you can't move either forward or back and so you're stuck there and of course you've only got x amount of x amount of food for the passengers so sometimes i think that only happened about once or twice that they went and shot some rabbits and just you know cooked them up for the so i don't think you'd be able to get so many rabbits here good like on the gang now we've got 300 guests i think it might be hard to feed all them rabbits do I mean, over the, all the years, you must have some great tales, and I'm sure if I asked you to tell me a yarn or two, you wouldn't even know where to start. But are, are there are there some that you think of off the top of your head? Oh, there's a lot of things like uh, a funny story was we was working there one day, and I suppose you would have heard in the I think it was the early 70s. We were standing there was a big commotion in the lounge and we raced back and then there was a bloke streaking through the lounge guard with the streak at start so, so completely naked <laughs> yeah, completely naked yeah. i think it, i don't think it was, it was a streak like a you know you do streaks i think he i think he lost the bet so he had to streak through the lounge so that was one of the funny things of uh stories and uh the other thing like people like i said when i was first working about that we work on a freight train we got stuck in the middle of nowhere and we had containers on there that were like refrigerated containers. 
course when you get stuck you can't get diesel to the refrigerated cones and they started to shut down, the motor started to shut down so we had permission to open them up and see what was in there and use what we could and of course when we opened up we found we had bloody things of chickens and uh, we got permission so over that three or four days there I reckon I had boiled chicken, I had curry chicken and I reckon when I got home I was growing feathers so I, that's why I'm very fond of chickens now. <laughs> you must sort of see the whole spectrum of the experience. What is, what is, what does it take to keep everyone happy? To make sure that everything's moving? To 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 make sure that 300 people are catered for properly? Well, I think our company's doing the right thing about it now because, as you know, back in those days when I was working on here, all the passengers could do is just come to Donica, eat, sit in the lounge, and go back to their room because there's really wasn't much to do. But now with the concept which is a great idea, is now that guests can get that experience, they've been on the train, they've had a dinner on the train, and plus then they can get outside in the open air and see what it's like out, because a lot of these people have never been out the outback and they've got no idea what it's like. They always keep asking me, what's those little little round balls outside, they're those patty melons, you know, try to tell them, and they say, are they all right to eat? No, they're poisonous, you don't eat them. So, and they just, like concepts, they just don't know that, what, what's... So, as a lot of people say, they live in a city. They've got no idea what it's like, and they just can't get it. Like the, um, like we get used to have a lot of Japanese, and they just cannot believe, like going across another ball plane, that you can do 110 k's an hour for eight hours and see nothing, and in a straight line. If we go back 20 or 30 years, though, what was what was life on the train like? Almost in a minute-by-minute minute sense. I mean, as you say, they, they're not getting off the train. They're eating and going back to their carriage. But was it crowded? Was it fun? They were, everyone was smoking and drinking. They were playing cards. I mean, I mean, you tell me, what was it like? Oh, it was a lot different now because uh, back in those days, as I said before, we used to have windows open. Guests could put their head out the windows and then you could smoke in your cabin. I even remember sitting in the dining car. A lot of people still not could believe that. Is that we used to put ashtrays on the dining car, on the table, so people would come in. And sometimes you'd go out and walk through there. It's like walking through a smoke haze because everyone is having their meal or having a smoke. Same as the lounge car. They used to smoke in the lounge, especially when we had a lot of people from overseas, the Germans. And of course, they smoked their pipes, and it was like walking through a haze. We had a concert. That was a like a funny story on the GAN too. When they first started it on the GAN, we used to have two lounges between the dining cars. One lounge, the north end, used to be non-smoking, and the south end used to be smoking. Of course, after a while, we had to change that because people that didn't smoke had to walk through the lounge to get to the dining car, so what they called passive smoking. So eventually, we were actually the last public transport to cut the smoking out in 2006. And did you notice a particular shift at some point when it went from people using the train purely for transportation to when people started to use it as a tourist product and to kind of experience Central Australia? I think it changed a lot uh, back in the early days when ANSET collapsed with the, with the two uh, Qantas and ANSET. They had the, had the monopoly of people flying because acoustic costs so much, so a lot of people used to catch the train. And now ever since this, uh, that's who we're sort of competing against now too, is the, the new cheap flights that's come through. We've got to sort of compete with them now. But we get, like I said, if you if you don't want to see the country, you fly. That's it. If you want to see the country and have a good time, relax, don't worry about anything of you, it's best to catch the train. But that's the thing that I've noticed the most. And I think another big thing that really helped, I think, is making the, the GAN all-inclusive. I said a lot of people have spoken to me that I've seen for years and years, and they said, 
they wouldn't travel on that train because it was a little bit expensive because when they do get on the train there they've got to buy their drinks and they had to pay for their tours and now it's all inclusive and as one bloke said to me he said I think I'm getting my values worth now so that's why I'm travelling on the GAN. I've mentioned a few times how the GAN is all inclusive but it's not just about the food or the drinks or the tours what's also included for free is the company. Maybe it's one of the staff members, someone like Dougie. Maybe it's the other passengers, who Sonia, the restaurant manager, sits you with at a meal. Or maybe it's the guides out on the tours, people like Tyrus at Nitmaluk Gorge, who we met in episode two. For now though, the trip is nearly at an end, after 3,000 kilometers from the north to the south of Australia. Very shortly, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be ending our journey that we've shared from Darwin all the way through to Adelaide. On behalf of Great Southern Rail and Career B, I do hope that you have had an enjoyable time with us. I hope you've enjoyed coming along for the ride, hearing about how the train works and visiting the stops we've had each day in the centre of this incredible country. If you have liked the podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could review it online and also share it with anyone you think might enjoy listening to the episodes. I'll be back with another series about another adventure soon. But for now, I'm Michael Turtle from the travel blog, Time Travel Turtle. And this has been Journey on the GAN.